now get this, this, and this. Put it in the Lazarus machine. <laughs> then we'll see Andrew Ryan. And I'm like, you're getting us to do something, and I don't think we're ever going to see Andrew Ryan at this, at this point. This game could be 50 hours long. <laughs> For all I know, they're going to keep dangling that carrot. They're going to keep... Welcome back to the State of the Ark podcast. My name is Mike. My name's Kason. Episode four is about to commence of our Bioshock analysis. We were in the middle of the uh, Neptune's Bounty section when we had to cut early. Uh, we had to kind of stop ourselves. We were going overtime yeah. last time. Uh, so uh, we left off on Andrew Ryan's Death Penalty and Rapture diary where he had betrayed his ideals in order to stop parasites from entering, <laughs> yep. from entering rapture. Um, so they, they introduced the death penalty. They're trying to, but the parasite was through him. It is through him that yep. the ultimate parasite entered rapture. That's right. And so, uh, they were trying to kill these smugglers, basically just like, yeah, make, um, smuggling, a, a criminal, a, a capital. There you go. Capital offense. Punishable. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. We get another one here. Smuggling ring. This is from Sullivan again. I'm closing in on the whole ring. I pat myself on the back, but let's face it. These aren't exactly bloodthirsty desperados we're talking about. I, I see. I love the gray area we're entering here, right? Yeah. Like, why are we killing these people for this? <clears throat> sure, sure. Is the question. Let's, uh, let's see. Rapture is full of poets, <gasps> artists, tennis players, not hired gorillas. But this leader of theirs, this Fontaine, he seems to know his way around a grift. He keeps his nose clean, but not so clean that the right people don't know he's not to be trifled with. Sounds like Harvey Weinstein. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, working late again, Andrew Ryan. Diane, my dear, I'm sorry, but I'll be late again tonight. Rosenberg is demanding to speak about this Fontaine business. I'm trying to build a proper financial market, and this idiot keeps going on about Adam this and genetic modification that. I'll go spend an hour pretending to pay attention to the poor fellow and be home as soon as I can. This brings up a pretty interesting point. There, even just beyond the human failing, that real extremist ideologues kind of like f fall into that pit of not seeing the human failings that will make the system fail. There's also just like natural discoveries like something like Adam yeah. Now, you know, obviously this is like an extremely fictional element, you know, but the, the yeah. it, it, it's, it's an archetype really for the point that there are going to be other elements outside forces, outside of even just human nature that yeah. you can't predict or account for. And that what I love, when it gets introduced into your society yeah. is going to change it in a way that you yes. just could not have possibly foreseen. And right? that is uh, guaranteed to happen. Yeah. And I love that Andrew Ryan, he's just like, he he just hates uh he hates Adam. Yeah. Like he thinks it's the dumbest thing ever. Yes. Adam this, Adam that. And it's like, dude, what if what if in the nineties that was who would it have been at the time? What if uh gosh, Bill Clinton was like uh, Al Gore, Al Gore keeps going on about internet this and internet that, and I just don't know. I don't. I, he's just. It's getting ridiculous. I'm like whatever. <laughs> like okay, dude. Now that's a joke on how Al Gore said he created the internet, which he didn't. Yeah. But right. um, that idea is like you can imagine somebody from like 1990 being like internet, internet, schminternet. Uh, yeah. The future isn't gold, or you know, <laughs> just like something like that, and being like, dude, you have no idea what's coming. It is going to change. <laughs> 
it is going to change everything. Right? Yes. And and this is it. This is Andrew Ryan's moment where he's like Adam Schmadam, you know, like yeah. who who cares about that crap? And it's like you he doesn't see what's coming and it's going to change every and he just has no idea. He thinks that he can he thinks he's above it all and that he can manage everything. Yeah. And it's like this is beyond management. I actually think that is a really astute uh, analogy is the internet, uh, especially yes. the way it was viewed. The way that it changed freaking everything. Late uh, through the 80s and 90s, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and as a byproduct of the internet, social media, and the way that social media has affected like the way we communicate um, and sort of like the broader um, social discourse. Yeah. It, it, it's like there's no way anybody at that time period could have foreseen right. such a force that no. has that has proven no. to be. I mean, obviously, the, I, I'm not trying to say like it's it's a. I don't know if it's a net positive or negative yet. I don't either. Actually, <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> I can't say there there is a, <laughs> so much good that has come from this technology. At, at the very least, right? you can say that. Yeah, but there is so much bad happening right. too. As a direct result of it, yes. and and in so many areas, it's it, yes. impossible to even summarize. Um, but uh, like, how how can you prepare for something like that? Right. And your ideology that you hold today does not account for it's, this future technology stuck. that's coming that we don't know mm -hmm. about yet. And it's like you're trying to use your 19th century tactics to deal with a 21st century problem. It's yes, like you're you're un you're not well equipped. No. And Andrew Ryan is just a full display. He's just I, showing how under-equipped he is. I actually love that so much as Adam <laughs> being a metaphor for freaking social media for or social something. media. And or, the effect it yeah, will yeah. have on a, a society, particularly one yeah. that is ideologically extreme. Sure. Oh, uh, actually true. Yeah, yeah. Like, and how it can make... There's the idea of greatness, but there's also the real possibility of just pulling you down. Yeah. Yeah. That's whole society. freaking a really, really, <laughs> really good analogy. <laughs> Th that goes along. The reason my mind would even go there is because I, I early on equated Adam and, and Eve and plasmids and all this stuff with, with technology. Yeah. And I'm like, this is, this is tech. This is what it is. And you know, what, what's the tech, what's the techie well, stuff? Because we have it's now? so powerful. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. The, the ability to influence and to reach so many people. Yeah. Like, in a way that has yeah. never, ever been possible before. And is that good? Is it good that I can influence someone in uh, Germany and that they, someone in South Africa, can influence me? Like, is that a good thing? And, and especially... Like, yes, in some ways, that's when a When there's good no thing. paragons and in there's bad ways, people out there who can lie, yes. straight up lie. And then it becomes a really bad it's thing. It's really bad. Because like, yeah, yeah, there's all sorts of arguments. So like, what make, do we do yeah. about that? And this is the whole freaking argument about, yeah. uh, is social media uh, the metaphorical uh, public square and does free oh, right, speech yeah. apply? Or yeah, exactly. is there the some level yeah. of... Uh, you know, uh, I don't want what word I want to use. I want to be very careful which word yeah, I'm trying to right. use. I'm not trying to say censorship. I'm trying to say regulation. <laughs> regulation. <laughs> Thank you. Is there some form of regulation that is necessary? That is this is a really hard question to answer. It is because who's, who's the regulator? Yes. You know, not who you, you want to be. You can't, probably. you can't just let yeah. That power go unregulated. <laughs> I, it's crazy. I know. I, I'm, you can't. I'm with you. I'm with you. You can't. You also can't, and I mean this physically, technically. 
you can't regulate it. Yes. The internet yes. is the Wild West. It yes. cannot be regulated. It's yes. been around, okay, maybe at some point someone will prove me wrong. As they slowly centralize it, they, they can do it. But the internet, you can always just go buy a domain and start your own website and yes. do whatever you want. That there, Nothing will stop you. The, the internet is still the Wild West as far as I'm concerned. Yes. Um, yeah. And but that's the idea of the freedom of speech. That's an 18th century law sure. that when you try to apply it in the 21st century, yeah, it's a, all of a sudden it's a gray area and yeah. it's like, and I'm, you know, I, I, I would uphold the value of freedom of speech, but I get exactly the point you're making. And it's like, there is something society destroying about this possibility <laughs> that, that could not have been foreseen. Yes. Yeah. Because, and, and this even goes for something like say the second amendment or something like that. Right? Sure, sure. I'm not trying to get super political and I'm trying, I know, to, we I'm trying to very be very much like, uh, Anyway, I hope people are understanding. I'm not making political statements here. Right. What I'm trying to say is, is that there's a there's a, a, a large unforeseen element yes. that the, the founding point. fathers and the people who signed that document, yeah. I'm pretty sure they didn't have nukes in mind when they wrote that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure they didn't imagine that such a weapon <laughs> was possible. I don't think they did. So <laughs> I really don't. You know think what I mean? And, and of course, almost yeah. no one would agree that everyone should be armed should with nukes. And everyone has but, a right to have. Their own. You know, then where do we draw that line? At well, what point is a weapon too? That's the good powerful. Question. But here's the fun. But, here's the crazy part. Who who makes the nukes? Because the government doesn't make the nukes. Right. So it's like Lockheed or Boeing or whatever the big company. Whatever. I don't even know what company. What company makes nuclear warheads? But it's question. a it's a private company. Sure. Is my point. Yeah. It's it's not the government. The government doesn't make it. I don't think. Does the government it's probably make it? contracted or, or at least partly contracted? Who makes America's <laughs> nukes. Who does? Who makes it? Corporations. <laughs> companies are Boeing, Honeywell, Lockheed Martin, and Northrop Gunman. Okay, yeah. So, so yeah, the yeah, companies contracted that contracted private companies. Yeah. So it's it's and so it's like okay, the government does allow private ownership of nuclear weapons if you're one of these companies. Yeah. Right. So, anyways, yeah, we're in a super gray area right now, but. Um, the, yeah, the, the point crazy, is huh? the point is you that can't your ideals, no matter what they were, whether you are writing the Constitution in the 1700s or whether you're Andrew Ryan or yeah. whatever your whatever. ideology is, your ideology cannot foresee. Yes. Adam cannot yeah. foresee that the Adam internet. is going to come. Yes. That the internet is going to yes. come. That Artificial nuclear nuclear yeah. weapons are nuclear going to bombs. exist. Yeah. It cannot foresee that element. Yep. And. That's what Adam is representing in the story yeah. here, right? And, and so, yeah, Andrew Ryan is trying to dismiss the thing because it's, it's frustrating right. his ideals. And he's I'm, not draw, I'm trying to build a proper financial market. Here's my ideal. And yeah. this idiot keeps going on about Adam this and genetic modification that. This was not <laughs> part of the plan. Right. I'll go spend an hour pretending to pay attention to the poor fellow and be home as soon as I can. Yeah. That's... Brilliant. That's brilliant. Adam is a brilliant metaphor in the story for this reason. Um, it, it's it's crazy, and I didn't even realize it till just now. <laughs> okay, uh, let's skip ahead a little bit here. Okay. Uh, I like this one too. I'm I'm going to read it. Uh, Bill McDonough or McDonough, whatever you McDonough. say his name. McDonough. Mr. Ryan, I believe in rapture, but that doesn't mean we always win. Fontaine mm. Futuristics is the biggest thing going in rapture. 
So let me be plain. When we arrest that tow rag Fontaine for this, for his thieving and smuggling, we must make it clear that we won't touch his business interests. We sit on the council because these poor sods trust us, not because God gave us a chair. Mm. Love that one. <laughs> so he's saying, Mr. Ryan, we are, we have to be accountable yes. to, to these people, right? Like, yes. Yeah. It's, 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 I just love like yeah. the layers of how this came about and how it fell apart. It's really well thought through. Um, yeah, I love it. Let's skip ahead. Okay. While you're looking for the okay, next, um, the next part, I have this line here. This is something, um, I didn't know initially, but have come to find out the line. Welcome to the circus of value. Yes. Was performed by Ken Levine himself. Oh, that is nice. Ken's voice. Nice. That's yes. funny. It's not the voice I expected <laughs> <laughs> to hear. I figured he'd be, you know, this hardcore, you know, but he's, uh, he's got a silly side to him. I, I like it. I think it's fun. Um, it's another interesting one here from the same character, Bill McDonough. McDon- I can't say that name. Rapture's changing, but Ryan can't see the wolves in the woods. This Fontaine fellow, he's a crook and a proper tea leaf, and but he's got the Adam, and that makes him the governor. He's sinking, that's what you said earlier. He's sinking the profits back into bigger and better plasmids, building them Fontaine poorhouses, more like Fontaine recruiting centers. Before we know it, Bloke's going to have an army of splicers, and we're going to have ourselves a whole heap of miseries. This is just hitting more on that point you're talking about. He's right. got the Adam. He's the real he's the, ruler of he, this place. He runs the right. town, yeah. It's the, the one with the resources, the one with the riches, the yep. one with the money is the one who runs the show. And that's basically in every government. It doesn't even matter what government type you have. Yeah. It's an oligarchy to some extent, <laughs> and, there, and you, there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah. It's like a law of, of the world. Right. Okay. Uh, that pretty much brings us to the end of okay. the good stuff from this place. Okay. I think. Uh, I mean, at the end of it, you know, you, they let you in, but then they try to kill you. No, of course. You which to, Atlas kind of warned us the whole time. He was right. like, "Yeah, right. They're not gonna. They're not gonna. They're not gonna be nice to you." So you yeah, gotta, they, they make as you. As soon as you get in, watch your back. They make you give up your weapons. Yes. And then you, you're just left with your little wrench and your powers, yeah, yeah, and you yeah. have to fight them that way. Which is yeah. yeah. So <laughs> enough. Um. Uh, really good section though. This was kind of where, yeah, like, I think there was, I can't remember how many little sisters were in the medical pavilion, but this is where they have like three. Yeah. And so like, you have to start kind of like really keeping track if you want to save them all um, or whatever. And I love Um, that they let you kind of choose what you're going to do there because there is the third option, right? You have... You can harvest the sisters or you can kill them, but you can also just leave them just alone. Just leave. Um, and the, the big daddies don't, they're not offensive, right? They don't. Yeah, they don't attack I guess you. maybe if you get too close, but if you keep your distance, they're not going to come and attack you. So you can you can work around them and you can fight them whenever you choose. It, it's not like the game forces it upon you, except for maybe early on. But. Yeah. Okay, so the next area is really short. This is the smuggler's hideout. You're only here for... A little bit. Yes, basically but is this, just is this where there's like all the bodies and people are crucified and it's really bloody? No. Or is that this is um okay. where uh where Atlas's family is supposed to be in the bathysphere. Yes, that's and, right. That's right. This yeah. part's short, yeah. And so you kinda go through there and then it's like uh, well, I'll just read it. Yeah. Go through <laughs> it. So you're going through oh, you you start seeing like kind of visions 
I think, around this point. I start, right? the first vision is when you go into the bathroom earlier on in the game. Okay. Like before this point, at yeah. the very first part, you see some ghosts washing yes. their hands in the bathroom. Yes. And I didn't know what that was. I'm yes. getting an idea of what it was, um, but it doesn't come into play until a little bit later. Yeah. Uh, you start seeing little flashes and visions yeah. and, and white uh, ghosts and pictures of people and yeah. not really much to go on yet, but like right. it's, it's happening. So I, I just want to throw that out there. Yeah. Um, do, 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 let's see. This is more peach Wilkins stuff. I don't care about this. Oh, okay. So, uh, there's like a little switch for the bathosphere. You kind of come into this yeah. room and you, you kind of pull the switch, but when you do so, it goes like pitch black and you start to hear sounds like splicers are kind of climbing around you. Right. And then Andrew Ryan comes on so dark in here. If only your friend could look up and see you, maybe you could warn him. If only you could do something, anything except just stand here and watch him die. So I think I think Atlas is supposed to be here at the same time. I don't. Yeah, here's the th here's the well, one thing. Go ahead. We do see the thing happen a little bit later, and we're kind of standing there watching. Right? Yeah, because there's like a, a window, window, a control yeah. room, and you can look down. But yes. here's the 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 one downside <laughs> to never taking control of the perspective from mm -hmm. the player. In that dark room, I was concerned about the two doors that were behind me. Ah. So I turned away and was watching them with my gun. While all the things happened? All the things oh happening God. were happening behind me. For whatever reason, <laughs> I, I looked where the light was and I yeah. didn't worry about the doors. So I didn't really even see. Does Atlas, is Atlas there? Yeah, he... you see you see somebody walking up. Uh. I don't know that you see the whole family. They're inside the bathosphere. That's what and is, they're locked that, inside. That's what is told, that's what... I didn't see them though. I couldn't oh. see them in the bathosphere. I just saw, I think Atlas, maybe. Yeah. But you do see somebody there, and then uh, a horrific, not accident uh, happens. Um, <laughs> and he runs away. And, and he runs away, and it's separated. like, oh darn it, Ryan killed my whole family. And he doesn't act the way I would act <laughs> if my whole family died right in front of me. Yes, um, I, I took note of that too. <laughs> yeah, it's like, darn it, oh well, all right. No, no he'll, he'll pay for this. All right, guys, okay, let's regroup. Let's do this again, you know? And it's like, I just, I really didn't um, I, I felt like buy it. there was kind of the proper emotion for like a line or two. Yeah, like And then it seconds. was like maybe yeah. a minute or two later he comes back on and he yeah. seems to be over it pretty quick. He's like, all right, I got a new plan. Like, <laughs> maybe not over it, but at least uh, not nearly as affected by it as you would assume Yeah, someone to be in that situation. Now it's a game, you want to move on, but they could at least have let him take a break or something and found another way to get us to the next like, point. Like he can't he talk to us for a while. Yeah, right? and it's just yeah. like, stop, I've got, I've, got, I've got to deal with this, you know, and like he just hangs up or whatever. But instead, he's all about us. Like we're his number one priority um yeah that's it that's what it seems like we are his number one priority not his family yeah so then you're attacked by splicers it's actually it's actually really well done like the the yeah. kind of the horror aspects of the game i feel are really good it's not like a scary game necessarily but it has yeah. these moments of just being really tense it does yeah and it's it's just really well done and every fight with the big daddies is like that because right? they're, <laughs> they're so they're, fast they're hard yeah they barrel towards hard you to fight yeah. As soon as you start fighting, you're running backwards and shooting and trying to turn <laughs> down hallways and shoot, shoot, going yep. running backwards the whole time. Yep. It's really hard. Um, okay, so we get a Kraut Scientist audio diary here. 
Fontaine recorded this one. Spent the morning jawing with the Kraut scientist. She's, Kraut is like a German. It's a, a slang for a German. Oh, yeah. Because of the sour. So she, she, he's talking about uh, Tenenbaum here. Yeah, yeah. She's so the Kraut. Yeah, she's yeah. damaged goods, all right. Just like all those chumps they uh, scraped out of them prison camps. Because she came from a German prison camp. But she's no crackpot. She's going to make me the kind of scratch that'll have Ryan look like he's running a paper route. <laughs> she just needs some supplies to get the ball rolling and a friend to watch her back. So he's using her mm. uh, to make himself a lot of money so he can take down Andrew Ryan. Right. This is how people see it too. So it's like if you think of Andrew Ryan as being like a lion who yeah. is like at the top of the heap, yeah. right? And it's like, so a lion just invited a bunch of other lions to come be in his den. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, what are those lions thinking? They're looking at the top lion and they're saying, I'm going to take you down. Yep. Right? This is the way the world works. <laughs> it's, it's a natural world, man. Yes. And when you when you invite producers, not looters, not consumers, only producers, you invite them to your city, then it's like you've got a bunch of people who want to be the alpha, yep. a bunch of people who believe in themselves and who know that they can reach the top mm-hmm. and who's the top who do they have to take on you yeah it's, it's like he didn't foresee that he red, didn't foresee that red personality types <laughs> yes, in a exactly. society a exactly. society of all reds <laughs> and it's like what are they gonna do be okay with like being you know like just the regular no they're no. all gonna try to vie for the top spot all yeah. of them mm-hmm. it's gonna turn into uh, well, what it turns into yeah okay um <clears throat> go down here a little bit uh andrew ryan comes back on when the sub sinks and there's an explosion and Alice is saying, the sub, no. And Andrew Ryan says, you ooze in like an assassin and then try to sneak out like mm. a thief. You're like no a s- thief in the yep. night. Yep. You're That's no CIA spook. Who are mm. you? Why have you come here? There's two ways to deal with the mystery, uncover it or eliminate it. So he's starting to realize he wasn't exactly who we thought we were. We seem to be a You're lone not, actor. You, yeah. you might not be from a government agency. Sure. What's going on here? This is mysterious. Do I figure out who you are or do I just kill you? Yes, there you go. <laughs> what what, what should I question. do here? Yeah. <laughs> right? So I, I like that line. It was pretty good. Okay. And then basically from there, uh, this leads straight into Arcadia. So it was a pretty short section okay. for the smuggler's hideout there. However, Arcadia, I think, is a little bit beyond where I'm at. There, there's a place where you come to. I don't know exactly where this is, but there okay. are tortured people everywhere. And there are people who are basically crucified and hung Isn't up. that the entrance oh, to Arcadia? Is that Arcadia it? is like the, the woods, oh, like the garden place, yes, right? Yes, but I thought it was and less garden. as soon as you walk in, I think the first thing you see is a person like pinned or yes, like you're right. to a then wall. Then this is it. This is yeah. it. Yeah, so as soon as you come in, there's a dude who's basically, it looks like he's crucified. Um, his hands are out, you know, and he's up, he's super bloody. And right below his feet is a, is a Bible Mm. and it's, um, it's crazy. And you walk around and there's a lot of these kinds of people, right? So there's tons of like, not just killed, but like tortured people. Yes. Like all over this place. Um, it presents kind of a mystery of exactly what, uh, exactly what happened here. Yeah. Um, and so I think the first... Andrew Ryan quote we get upon entering is I come to this place to build the impossible. You come to rob what you could never build. This is going back to the parasite Looters, motif. Yeah, par- right? parasites, yeah. A hun gaping at the gates of Rome. Yep, yep, Great yep. line. Yep. Even the air you breathe is sponged from my account. Well, breathe deep so later you might remember the taste. I like that. I like that. <laughs> this so does good. remind me of like vagrant story dialogue, just without the like King James, you know, yes. the, without the 17th century 
kind of flair it's on it. It's witty, yeah. But it's like on that level. Yeah. Yeah, it's so good. It's I love really it. good. All right, so let's talk about Arcadia and Julie Langford a little bit. Uh, she's kind of the new or like major character we meet in this area. Um, so Arcadia is the fifth level in Bioshock. Here the player will do battle with new and disturbing Houdini splicers. Um, this this was actually really cool. The first time you meet a Houdini the splicer, Houdini they're splicers. like like kind of yeah. leading you on and appearing and disappearing. And, yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, re- that's probably my favorite enemy type in the game mm. is the Houdini splicers. They're a lot of fun. Um, and fight for survival within its uh, simulated natural spaces. So the history here. Arcadia is the living, breathing heart of rapture. Its lush forests and abundant plant life served to generate life, sustaining oxygen, oxygen. the city needed. Uh, this is somebody who made a comment mm. on the last video um, when we were talking about the darkest form of capitalism being, uh, of course, it was it was a joke, but paying it for was, the restroom. Joke, but but uh, someone yeah. saying, and and just imagine the fact that people have to pay for air in this place and that's basically that's what crazy. this arcadia was was created yeah. to generate oxygen but it, but it was a business right yeah yeah so it, it it creates oxygen for uh rapture but yeah you have to pay for it it's yeah. it's a it's like a utility you have to pay for right is is oxygen to breathe <laughs> i i do have a slight steel man case for this right sure so instead of paying for air in america we pay taxes to the government that funds the EPA that regulates industry industrial um, output from plants and things that put um, negative externalities and things into the air. Yeah. So we kind of still do pay for air. It's just part of taxes anyways. Pay, we pay for having more cleanness of air. I yeah. guess you don't pay for the air per se. You just pay to for not have toxic, less, <laughs> less polluted <dirty> air. air. <laughs> yes. But, you know, taxes are paying too. That's what uh, Ayn Rand would say. Well, here in Utah. May as in well pay a company Utah. to do it. Here in Utah, yeah. where we live. Uh, oh, the inversion. Because it the, it's, it's a valley, right? So yes. we're kind of surrounded by mountains. So yes. there's not a lot of wind that can rush through and, and push yeah. those pollutants out. Yeah, and especially in the winter when it gets really cold. And so you have yeah. really bad quality air some days where they don't even recommend that you go outside to like go on walks if you have, if you're within certain, um, at risk for certain health conditions and things like that. Right, so, that's true. Yeah, anyway. and especially if you're pregnant and things, it's like yeah, don't go like, outside. Don't, don't go outside today. <laughs> that happens a lot. Yeah, um, it looks like uh, there are entrepreneurs who are selling bottled air to people in China. <laughs> in China. Well, China has horrible. <laughs> they, air famously, quality. probably the worst in the world. Yeah. yeah so. <laughs> Anyways, once again, that's freaking unbelievable. It's real. Okay. And so. go figure. It's a communist country, right? Okay, that's a un- unexpected. Okay, so uh, it was a tranquil, tranquil haven for those seeking a respite from the daily rigors of city life to relax in solitude among the many trees and grassy mm. hills. It was like, a, what's that big, um, what is the park, Central Park in New York City, oh, sure. right? It's mm-hmm. like having a nice park, like in the middle of the city. Yeah. Vacationers seeking something more relaxing than the flashing lights of Fort Frolic could find peace and serenity in the, lone, uh, in the lovely waterfall grotto tea garden and other havens beneath the canopy of trees it was it is a nice place it feels kind of serene other than people trying to kill you (laughs) that is interesting too it's like uh some vacationers who don't want to go to fort frolic which is more vegas like because there's Mm, gambling there and everything right uh would come here this is maybe more of the the hawaii vacation (laughs) yeah (laughs) right instead of the vegas vacation you know instead of going and seeing shows and Lights yeah. and that sort of thing. You're, you're going to relax with, with whatever nature they can simulate here. Um, 
Arcadia was very popular on Valentine's Day among couples, being an amorous environment. Arcadia was created by local botanical scientists on uh, Ryan's payroll, uh, scientists on Ryan's payroll, most notably Julie Langford. Langford helped create Arcadia and its agricultural research facility and later used Adam to grow plants and trees. For a time, Arcadia was a free park for the citizens of Rapture, but Andrew Ryan closed Arcadia to all but paying customers as he believed it uh, service the service it provided warranted payment. So, you know, the, again, kind of on this far side of this ideology, it's like nothing should be free. Somebody had to work yes. to create the place. So therefore the worker is entitled to his hire. Right. right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, again, maybe libertarian is, is like the right sort of like yes. place to the place because, this sort of idea. As Ayn Rand would point out, once again, national parks exist. Mm -hmm. We our taxes go to fund it. We pay taxes, therefore we are paying for national parks. Right. Whether we use them or not is the thing. And so yeah. Ayn Rand would say, well, in this in this method, you're paying when you use it. You don't have to pay when you don't use it. Right. But you're 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 paying one way or the other. Right. Um, I'm getting better <clears throat> at steel manning on man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. During the Civil War, a cult known as the Saturnine appeared in Arcadia. This is where these splicers yes. come from. I took some notes on this one. Yeah, the Saturn, yeah. the Saturnine, 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 I don't know. Saturnine, yeah. Saturnine, Saturn, Saturnine. <laughs> Saturnine, yes. And it's a word. I didn't, I've never heard this word in my life. I had yeah. to look it up. So Saturnine, as a word, has a meaning. It means cold and steady in mood, slow to act or change, or of a gloomy disposition. Yeah. So... Being Saturnine, I guess, if someone ever calls you Saturnine, he's a very Saturnine person, how isn't he? Um, it means that you're cold or you're slow or gloomy, maybe a little bit darker, a little bit um, of that nature, right? There's a line here later on from, I believe, uh, a melancholy Langford. type Melancholy, person. sure, that sounds about right. Um, the Saturnine dress in leaves. They drink human blood and chant, harness the flame, harness the mist. I think this is really good. Hmm. I, I analyze. I, I spent too much time thinking about that <laughs> sentence because I'm like, oh, my gosh, there's a religious cult in um, in Rapture. Rapture. Like, this is crazy. What are they about? What's their whole thing, right? So it's Saturnine, right? So the sentence gives me a lot to think about. Saturn is Cronus in Greek mythology, um, and it's the god who killed or castrated his father, who was Uranus, um, and also devoured his own children. Right. Mm -hmm. But then you look at it, harness the flame, harness the mist. Right. There's a yin and yang between flame, fire, flame and then mist, which is water and air or clouds or, you know, you got a dark light kind of thing going on there. Um, so Saturn also, by the way, and this is OK, it's, it goes both ways because Saturn is a god of nature, uh, but also of societies and cities and the like. So Saturn would be associated in the Bible with Cain. Mm. but also sometimes associated with Satan. Mm. And then sometimes Saturn is the god Yahweh himself. <laughs> so Saturn was the seventh planet. It was the seventh heaven, as Dante would put it. Um, it was the seventh, like, you know, messenger, the seventh um, step. It was the seventh day. It represented the, the seventh day. Yeah. And so it could be seen as the god Yahweh. Also, Saturn would be comparable to um, Set or like Satan, mm. basically, uh, but also is Cain. And that comes through Cain being kind of over nature. He tilled the earth, and but he also built the first cities and things like that. Um, so anyways, I don't know which one they're going to go with in terms of Saturn or the Saturnine. 
Um, but Saturn could um, represent all of those all at once. Oh, wow. Um, and this is really good. Um, the Saturnine drank plasmids and called it ambrosia, the nectar of the gods, mm. right? They tried to reconnect with the nature that rapture is so distant from. And yep. this is what I brought up in the last um, episode, that uh, rapture is slowly just detaching from nature. There's kind yeah. of like a, a Gnostic, like, um, uh, ascent away from the world that's happening within well, that was sort of on its way towards maybe happening within Rapture. Um, but they're definitely, they're, they're living outside of the laws of nature, basically. And yeah. they're just like removing themselves. They're so distant from their, their human nature, um, which is a metaphor with the natural earth, but the metaphor for their human nature as well. That's kind of what a lot of this, I think, represents. And so there are certain people within Rapture who kind of want to bring that back. And the, through the religious impulse that everyone basically has, they kind of form this cult and they yeah. start drinking blood and wine and making sacrifices and building altars. And like they dress in leaves and twigs, which is the first clothes that Adam <clears throat> dressed in, uh, Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. And um, like they're basically, they take some of the archetypes of religion, but um, there's something weird about the way that the Saturnine people are doing it. There's something very unusual about it. Um, but you know, that's, I mean, that's, that's religion stuff in general, I think. Yeah. Um, but I think it's really cool. It turned out not to be as interesting as I wanted it to be. Yeah. Um, basically <laughs> it's like, they're just kind of, they're kind of crazy. Yeah. Um, and it didn't seem that their religion was all that deep. It was really just a return to the primitive man, basically. Uh, but I could see that happening in a place like Rapture where sure. people are just like, they've just had enough with freaking technology and all like, I want to go be Amish now. Like I want to go, <laughs> I want to go return, but they can't, all they have is Arcadia. They mm. can't leave Rapture. Um, mm. th- they aren't yeah. allowed to, right? Like right. nobody can leave. And uh, so they just try to bring out their natural humanity within Rapture. And it has to be done in Arcadia, I guess. Um, but yeah, there's something really interesting about this that I, I really liked. That's crazy. Uh, it says here, during the Civil War, a cult known as the Saturnine appeared in Arcadia. The cult mm-hmm. members worshipped nature and indulged in splicing and drinking Adam as part of their rituals. Oh, right. Then they would drink Adam and call it Ambrosia. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Ryan vowed to put a stop to the Saturnine, whom he saw as an organized religion, as their activities endangered citizens and disrupted the work of Arcadia's scientists. Hmm. The park experienced a number of lockdowns. Oh, part of the banner here is no God. Right, no gods. No kings. And so. that, that's like a rule. Yeah. It's not just a philosophy. It's yeah. a rule. No, <laughs> no, no gods. Stop it. <laughs> yep. Uh, the park experienced a number of lockdowns as the violence in the city became worse and was eventually closed to the public altogether. However, Langford continued to return to her lab in the park to continue work on the Lazarus Vector. So let's take a look at Julian Langford. And of course, any guess as to what Lazarus Lazarus Vector Vector means? (laughs) Yeah. So in the New Testament, there's someone named Lazarus who is raised from the dead by Jesus Christ. So Lazarus means bringing people back to life. It's a resurrection research that they're doing. Right. Now... Well, we'll get to some Let's of get my to notes on that a little bit later. Julie Langford here. Okay. Professor Julie Langford, PhD, is the scientist responsible for creating and maintaining Arcadia, a garden and uh, arboretum. Arboretum? Arboretum? Is that how you pronounce that? Oh, I don't I, I know the word because it's arbor, which is trees. Oh, arbor, tree, but yeah. I, arbor arboretum, or arboretum, I think. A garden and arboretum that supplied oxygen to Rapture and the owner of Langford Research Laboratories. 
Unlike most residents of Rapture, she does not seem to be spliced or have an affliction from Adam abuse and seems relatively normal despite her dangerous environment. Ah, well, it's a dangerous environment, but it's also the most natural environment. She's mm-hmm. clearly someone who uh, holds nature in high regard. She, she does yeah. not want to separate herself from nature. She wants to live in nature. So she rejected Adam. Yeah. She uh, the right certainly call. did not abuse it. And so at the very she's, least, she didn't abuse it. Sure. She's, uh, she's still sane at yeah. this point, unlike most other people we meet here. Hmm. All right. So the history uh, of her. Before her descent to the underwater city, Langford was a renowned botanist and professor at the University of California, Berkeley, where she had worked since the 1920s. Her research attracted both praise for its groundbreaking findings and controversy for her radical theories. For a time, she worked for the United States government, offering assistance with various defoliation projects during the Second World War, including use uh, against the Japanese on Iwo Jima. Iwo Jima. Iwo Jima. Sorry, they don't say that I. It's an I, it's an E. Um, oh. I would be A-I in Japanese. Right. I, I just pronounced it. Oh, that's it true. It in is a stupid e- way. E- Iwo Jima. Her disappearance after leaving for rapture did not go unnoticed on the surface. A newspaper article from January 7th, 1949, commented that she was still missing by that date, despite an invest- intensive investigation. Although truly loving the plants and her work on the gardens of Arcadia, she eventually was forced into making it a commodity available only to paying visitors. Andrew Ryan decided to charge citizens not only for taking a stroll in Arcadia, but also to sell the vital oxygen created by the Arboretum. She accepted such decisions as in a later audio uh, diary, she states that she would have complained, but then remembered who signed her paychecks. As the use of plasmids caused society in rapture to deteriorate, Langford kept to her work using the scientific advances of Adam in her projects. One such project was the Lazarus Vector, a concoction that would be able to bring trees back from the dead. During this time, Langford had trouble with the Saturnine, a group of splicers who stole many of her materials for use in their uh, nature-worshipping cult. Frequent lockdowns also slowed down her progress. During the Rapture Civil War, when Ryan closed Arcadia for good, Langford continued to make trips to her office there as she was close to a breakthrough in her project. And this is what she asks us to help her with yeah. when we find her. Is She needs a few things. Yeah, right? some uh, distilled water and what was the other one? Is a, a rosa. It's a rose. Like a um, rose. Uh, yeah. But there was also yeah. something else. There's some kind of. Anyways, there's some other kind there's of bee, liquid thing you need to spit. get. Bee <laughs> spit. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever you had to get from the she bees. She has the Latin name for it that I can't yes. remember. Uh, yeah. She needed that in order to complete this you know, breakthrough. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about the Lazarus Vector, and then we'll get into the, the dialogue here. Now, they didn't tell us much about the Lazarus Vector. No. Um, well, I have a lot of notes on that for the next area. Okay. The Lazarus Vector is a chemical solution envisioned by Julie Langford, which by design would bring dead plants back to life. Mm-hmm. So that's you know, basically what it is. So with all that said, let's see if we can find our first good diary entry here. So for me, um, looking at what is happening all around uh, Rapture, I'm having a hard time believing that these were all the producers that were brought to Rapture and not looters. Mm. Um, these, I, I have trouble believing that these are the productive people that are living here in Rapture. 
It just certainly does not seem that way. Um, and Atlas, actually, as we're here, he, he brings up that he brought his family here looking for a better place, right? But then that calls into question, if the reason he came here was so that he could find a better place, that means he wasn't a producer, mm. right? The idea for Galt's Gulch was that the highly productive people would go there. But Atlas sounds like he just thought it would be a nice place to live. Yeah. Which means that makes him a consumer. That mm. makes him somebody who wants to take advantage of somebody else's work. He's not going to, he didn't come here to help build it. He came here to benefit from it. Benefit from it. Yeah. yeah. Um, Without contributing. In fact, I think a lot of the people in <laughs> Rapture seem to have come here to benefit from it and not to uh, produce or to, yeah, to, to give anything back to there it. There were a lot more parasites in Lots. his group of followers than yes. Andrew Ryan realized. Than he realized, <laughs> including his own freaking self. Yeah. Yep. Okay. He's a bit of a parasite, I think. So, Bridget Tenenbaum here. This is mass-producing Adam. The augmentation procedure is a success. The slugs alone could not provide enough Adam for serious work. But combined with the host, now we have something. The slug is embedded in the lining of the host's stomach, and after the host feeds, we induce regurgitation. And then we have 20, 30 times yield of usable Adam. The problem now is the shortage of hosts. Fontaine says, patience, Tenenbaum. Soon uh, the first home for Little Sisters will be open, and that problem will be solved. So this is how they began producing Little Sisters and their purpose, right? Um, The slugs alone didn't give people enough atom to do the research they wanted to do. Um, So they embedded them into hosts, and then the host combination together could produce more. So that's where the Little Sisters came from. All right. This one comes from Julie Langford, Arcadia Closed. Today, Arcadia was closed off to all but paying customers. The man hires me to build a forest at the bottom of the ocean and then turns a walk in the woods into a luxury. Ryan asked, should a farmer not be able to sell his food? Is a potter not entitled to uh, a profit from his pots? I started to argue with the man, and then I remembered who signed my checks. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <laughs> yep. Yep. I love that. Only thing, that. Or, or only thing worse than a hypocrite is an unemployed one. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That's good, man. That's good. Yeah. I, I, again, I, I once again, can't though, emphasize enough how well written these are. That it's very good. But once again, you do have to pay taxes to upkeep the national parks and just parks in general that you then can enjoy going for a walk-in. Right. Um, you're still paying for it. It's just the government that you're paying. Right. It says um, on Let's see here. Oh, I, we also learned Atlas' wife's name because oh. I think um, he, he starts to divulge a little bit. We know nothing he about He said something about her being a pain in the neck in the last area. I can't remember oh, exactly I don't remember that. <laughs> what it said, but yeah. Her name is Moira. Yes. M-O-I-R-A. That means fate in Greek. Right? Oh, okay. So, anyways, yeah, maybe... Well, the whole fate versus will yes. motif we've talked about in episode two, I think. Right. Right? Yeah. Is, is embodied a because little bit there. this is a denial of the possibility of fate, whereas yeah. Atlas is um, something of an embodiment Seems to be embody- embodying in some way. it. Yeah. And he, well, he is married to fate in as a minute. Didn't he say, uh, I'm not one to question providence? Is yes, I'm not one to question providence, yeah. yeah. Uh, in fact, my wife's name means fate in Greek. <laughs> 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 he could have said that. <laughs> <laughs> but something tells me you came here for a reason. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's funny. <laughs> they should have rewritten the script. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we got a line here from, okay, go. from Ryan. On the surface, I once bought a forest. The parasites claimed that the land belonged to God mm. and demanded that I establish a public this park there. Good. 
Why? So yeah. the rubble could stand slack-jawed under the canopy and pretend that it was a paradise earned? When Congress moved to nationalize my forest, I burnt it to the ground. God did not plant the seeds of this Arcadia. I did. Once again, he definitely read Atlas Shrugged. <laughs> because in Atlas Shrugged, there are business people who flee to Galt's Gulch who sabotage their own business because the government was nationalizing everything. Mm. So the government was nationalizing the railroads, nationalizing a mine, somebody uh, nationalizing like a kind of steel and like all the, a lot of the technology that was being created by these producers, the government was just taking it and saying, okay, hey, this is, for the, this belongs to the people. This belongs to the people. Mm -hmm. uh, and so at some point, the producers, some of the uh, people who ended up going on strike later on, started to sabotage their own businesses just so that the government would um, not be able to take advantage of those resources. Right. right? Um, I just don't think Levine didn't read Atlas Shrugged before, <laughs> before writing that sentence, well, that paragraph. Perhaps he, uh, he read... Uh a summary or okay, knew about sure. it, fine, but didn't fine. actually read it. Okay. But, and then it's, so it's still a little, it's a little bit, um, then. it's still a little bit, uh, uh, I don't deceptive to say I never read the thing when it's like, when you, but you're familiar you with, you basically know exactly what it's about. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know Levine. I can't say, <laughs> I don't know. I'm just saying there could be another explanation. I love, I love <laughs> that they gave us that sentence though, because of yeah. what happens a little bit later on. Yeah. I also have an important note here. Okay. Pertaining to Atlas. Kay. Whatever Atlas is doing in this game, <laughs> he is not shrugging. <laughs> he is not at all shrugging. He is very proactive. He is making things happen. He is leading us to a place. He is not uh he's not shirking what he sees to be his duty, yeah. it seems. And that would be the idea of Atlas shrugging was that he shirks his duty and he stops. Yeah. Um, anyway, so this Atlas is the opposite of the Atlas from Atlas Shrugged. Yep. Um, got th a note from Mix here. Oh, Seems yeah. like even in a utopia that emphasizes no gods, no masters, the one paying your paycheck is your god or master. Yes. Yes. Very good. A a well, he certainly Very has good. a god complex. God oh, didn't plant these seeds. I did. Right? Well, yes. And and yeah. even with the idea of the Garden of Eden, right? Like he made a utopia. Like he did this, yeah. you know? Mm -hmm. And like I didn't, I chose Rapture, right? And at the, like that very beginning movie yeah. that we watched showed. Yeah. Um, okay. Here's... So it's like there are no gods, or there are no transcendent gods, only petty yeah. <laughs> gods. And it's like, okay, great. You gave up the transcendent future for, for pettiness. Yeah. Congrats. But you're yeah. still you're still following a god one way or the right. other. Right, yeah. Okay, so we got Julie Langford here. This isn't a diary. This is just her talking to you. My trees, it wasn't you, was it? No, Ryan. I think I've got to, uh, I got a way to save the trees. It's a oh, genetic this, vector. So this is after the, this is after the gas is released. Yes, is released. At this point. Okay, yeah, so, so we should mention that. Yeah, so gas is released that's poisonous. And immediately as it's, as Atlas is on top of things, man. As soon as things happen, Atlas doesn't just know what happened based on the sound. Right, because I don't think he can. Well, yeah. he's got the little drone thing flying around. I guess. Yeah, I guess he can. But he knows why way. it happened. Like he, he's, he's just like he's really. It doesn't <laughs> take much for him to be like he's got a whole book of explanations for. Oh, no, I can't believe it. Andrew Ryan's poisoning his own plants. This is, and it's like, are you? Do you know this or what? Are, I don't know. He's yeah. jumping to conclusions very quickly. He's right all the time, uh, which is a little bit suspicious. But yeah, um, 
this poison comes down and right away um, Atlas is like, oh my gosh, you know, get something, try to, like the air is going to slowly disappear. He's poisoned all of his plants. I can't believe he would do this. This is crazy, right? Mm -hmm. Because it was mentioned earlier, Arcadia is the heart, the beating heart of Rapture. Rapture. And Andrew Ryan, who loves Rapture, it's his own child. It's his creation, right? He is willing to kill it. He is sacrificing. He is pulling the heart out of his own creation that will suffocate it and it will die now. And he's willing to do that. Just like when he owned a forest, he was willing to burn Burn the whole thing to ground just because people were taking advantage of him. And he was like, no, just to spite people, he will destroy everything that he owns. That's crazy. And not only do we get the story, now we get to see it play out in real life. And um, I think it's really good. I think it's really cool. Um, So we're able to find something like, something to help us, like a mask of sorts, I guess. Um, but the air is slowly depleting, right? right? So we we don't have forever now. Yeah, oxygen is oxygen levels are yeah. going down, which is what locks you in the place because there's like a like a, a security system that's like oh, like a lockdown. When the yeah. oxygen starts to come down like this, we got to lock off this area. Yeah. So you're kind of trapped in there. You can't move on to right. um, Fort Frolic after mm-hmm. this until you've taken care of this situation. So she's complaining about my trees because the oxygen, yep. you know. It wasn't you, was it? And then, uh, oh, okay. Um, I think I've got a way to save the trees. It's a genetic vector that, oh, look, who I'm talking to. Could you find a sample of um, Rosa Gallagher for me? Uh, yeah. Look in the grotto, the grotto. I've got to keep working while there's time. So you decide to help her uh, with this situation that yeah. Andrew Ryan has set up. This one, the Saturnine. Uh, is a diary by Julie Langford. They dress up in leaves and call themselves the Saturnine. Please, they drink human blood and chant, harness the flame, harness the mist. Love it, And dude. believe <laughs> they are touched by the ancient gods. Ha, an aging bunch of frat boys tilting back goblets of plasmids and calling it ambrosia. Crazy. It's, the, it's, it's the best they got. <laughs> <laughs> it's the best they can find down here. <laughs> exactly. Right? Um... The market is patient. This is one from Andrew Ryan. Ah, yes. Yeah, yeah. There's been tremendous pressure to regulate this plasmid business. Again, this would be as far extreme uh, free market capitalism as you could find. No regulation whatsoever would be his ideology, right? Yes. There have been side effects, blindness, insanity, death Death. to using uh, using this atom, using these plasmids. But what use is our ideology if it is not tested? The market does not respond like an infant shrieking at the first sign of displeasure. The market is patient and we must be too. So it sounds like he's <laughs> talking about a god, doesn't it? The oh, market, yeah. right? The ideology. So he's serving the ideology is his primary god. And the market is like the sub-god of, of the main god that is like his, you know, his his driving force, right? The ideology, that's what drives him. And then the market, it does what it does and we got to be patient. The market knows what it's doing. It's t- he's talking about it as though it's like uh, a God that we are, you know, below. This is um, kind of my favorite point. And you know, when we talked about this game having a sort of life changing type of level storytelling, right? Yeah. Um, it's this exact reason at least an effect on how I think about the world. It's the rejection of God that happened here in his ideology was that that faith was simply replaced by the market. 
yep. by the ideology. The ideology became the religion. Yep. And I, I, I have yep. actually seen this um, with some of my friends. So I don't want to get like too like into the weeds on like my history and my religious right. beliefs and faith and whatever. Um, I, uh, we grew up uh, Mormon. So yeah. uh, we live in Utah. We didn't at the time, but anyways. So um, I'm no longer practicing, but I served a mission. And uh, there, there are certain people I know, I guess, is the way I want to put this delicately, who um, seemed to have left what they saw as a radical or extreme ideology and just replaced it with another one. They rejected the religion, but then they just replaced it with a new An one ideology. that is just a kind of the opposite idea. <laughs> I don't want to say opposite, but like it's far away, you know, whatever they felt uh, seemed to have been wrong with this one hmm. in the full rejection of it kind of just accepted a new religion, but they right. don't see it that way. No, and I feel yeah. like that's I, that basically what this is. Yeah, yeah. Ryan sure, is sure. worshiping the market. Yes. Yeah, oh yeah. As a, as a force that does what it does. Like, read this line again. Hold okay. on. Can you tilt your computer towards sure. me? Sure. I'm going to read this it's, line again. It's up here. But I am going to make uh, a couple edits to his speech, right? But what use is our, our religion if it is not tested? The God, God does not respond like an infant, shrieking at the first sign of displeasure. God is patient, and we must be too. Does yeah. that sound about it, right? It, it's, it's, it's exactly the so same. So ideo- replace the word ideology with religion. Replace the word the market or with faith. Ideology God. with faith. Sure, right? fair enough. Let, let's go, uh, but what use is our faith yes. if it is not tested? If it is not tested. There you go, because of the testing. Exactly. What yeah. use is faith? So there you go. And then the God. Then he talks about the God. It's, it's, it's really good. And it, it does kind of go to show a similar thing happened with Ayn Rand, right? When, when she left communism. She, she went turned to objectivism all the way over here. That's but it, that's kind of what I was. Ism, that's, that's what I was right? getting at. It's another it's like, ism. This is why this was so huge to me because it was like, okay, yeah. if I'm no longer gonna be living in this because I feel it's too extreme for whatever reason, yes. I cannot abandon it for the opposite extreme right. because it's the same thing. You're you just reframed the words. This is it's the same thing. This is um yeah. Uh, oh gosh. Oh no. What is it? It's the, it's the, it's the, ah, it's the philosophy that is sort of like, you should know this, the philosophy that is considered by them to have birthed all religion. Um, oh, what's his name? That was the Freud talks about death drive. Uh, um, but then there's our uh, ancestor worship. No, I don't know it, exactly who you're talking hold on, about. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Oh. Is it a person or is it a, it's a, a historical? And then they named the philosophy after his name. And it's, it said even Abraham went to him for wisdom. Oh, um, wait, 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 wait. Gosh, you're I not, can't think of his name right now. Um, his, his name became the name of a Greek god, I think. You're not talking about Hermes, are you? Hermes! Yes, hermetism. So hermetic. Thank yeah. you! Hermeticism. Fetch! So yes, Hermes, hermeticism. Hermes, who is Mercury, who is who is <laughs> yeah. associated with Enoch. Yeah. Yes, yes, I know who you're okay. talking about. And the god Thoth of ancient Egypt yes. was Hermes, and yes, I know who you're talking okay. about. Okay, so yep. hermetism uh, teaches this Her- principle. Hermeticism. Hermeticism, Is what sorry. they would say. Yeah. Hermeticism. <laughs> It, it teaches this exact principle. Hold on. Yes. What are the, the se- it's like the seven principles. The Kabbalion. 
the Kybalion. The, yeah, the, the Kybalion. Uh, and now the now I do have to. Since we're going to bring up the Kabalion, it's a really good book. I love the Kabalion. Yeah. It was written around 1900, um, and it is referencing hermetic ideas, but not not like perfectly. Um, but it does yeah. bring in its own kind of 18th century or 19th century philosophy that I actually really like. Polarity, um, I think, is the one yeah, I'm thinking of. Mentalism, the, correspondence, vibration, polarity, rhythm, gender, cause and effect. Yeah, yeah. so the principle of polarity mm. in her hermeticism like the basically teaches that Yes. The 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 opposites the 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 poles are the same thing just to a different degree. They aren't yes. actually different things. Yes. It's the same They're thing. It's just a different degree of the yes. same thing. Yes. And that's more or less the conclusion I came to about ideologies. Oh cool. Right? Yeah. yeah. Like they're very similar. Uh, yeah. Like you have these opposite ideologies and we, we tend to try to define them as being at odds or opposites or, or well, they are opposites, but like, yeah, but not the not, way we think of opposites. No, not that they're yeah. different. Exactly. They are the same. They're two they're sides just, of the same thing. Yes, yes. They're just different degrees yes, of yeah. the same thing. Yes. And so what I tried to take away from that, I didn't know about, Hermeticism at the time. I actually okay. only researched this recently. You should. It's really cool. Was I love that it. you can't just you can't jump over here and think that you're that you've really changed or done anything sure. for your yes. self development yeah. by just abandoning this religion for that and one. replacing it with the same yeah, right a similar thing. And I feel like that's what Ayn Rand did. Some similar to yes. some degree. Yeah. yeah yep. Right. And so, like, you're not gonna find the answer by jumping ship. To the same thing of yeah. the opposite degree. Because the, it's still dealing with it on the same spectrum. Yes. This is one of the issues with uh, something like you could call it the uh, the like the, the temple of Satan, right? There's some people who started a church, <laughs> a religion that's like the Satan religion. And it's like, oh, we are we are the Antichrist. And it's it's kind of a tongue-in-cheek kind of thing. Yeah. But there are people who, who belong to it. Um, and the idea with that is like, oh, we're the opposite of Christians. And it's like... Right. But they they kind of are still playing the Christian game. They just right. flipped it over, and at some point, someone's going to come back and flip it right back. Right. <laughs> and like they didn't actually change much; they just turned it upside down. And it's not that difficult to just reverse it. Right. Um. And and so you should you should look into Ian McIlchrist's um Ian McIlchrist on the coincidence of opposites. He yes. talks about this a lot and how like there is something on a continuum, um, and that opposites actually complement. Once you really understand the opposites well enough, you can actually reconcile them and live with both. You don't need to pick one or the other. But yeah. one thing I really want to mention here is Nietzsche, because Nietzsche came to the exact conclusion that you just came to. Yeah. And this is where beyond good and evil comes from. Right. Because he says, you can't just change what you call good and evil. You're still playing the same game. Yes. He says, you have to get beyond what he would yes. call traditional morality. Yes. You have to go beyond, otherwise you're just stuck in the same exact game. Good and evil right? are the yes. same thing, they, uh, just at different yes. degrees. And, and a with solid words. and a liquid is the same thing, sure. just at a different de literal physical degree. And right? it, so a lot of it depends on perspective and all yes. of that. Nietzsche says, oh, you've got to get beyond good and evil to where you can be, you can operate absent morality at, at all. 
Yes. Otherwise, you're stuck in this dichotomy trying to argue two sides that really aren't like they're all the that same. Different. They're it's not just, different. It's nature. It's just like nature. And you're yes. trying to say this part of nature is good and this one's bad. Yes. And he's saying, no, get past that whole idea. We need to go. If we're going to bring humanity um, into the next level, we need to get past this squabble of good and evil. Now, whether you agree with him or not yeah. is, is a different thing. But it's it, that was at least his solution to the problem that you've articulated. Sure. And it's like you don't have to agree with the solution. But I think it's worth bringing up that Nietzsche saw that same thing. Yeah. And it's really an uh, almost unsolvable problem. Yeah. Right. But Nietzsche thinks that, you know, he's got an idea there. Right. right. And it's to get rid of, of morality, period. Right. <laughs> Which I don't know if that's <laughs> the best idea. <laughs> well, I mean, but, that, but, that gets hey, into the whole argument of is there even such a thing as objective morality or not? And, exactly. And, Which Nietzsche would probably know. say, no, you invent, right. you invent it yourself, which means move past it. Right. right. It's a, it's a, what would, what do they say nowadays? It's a, it's a social what do construct. they say? Yeah, social construct. That's yeah. it. It's a social construct. Uh, you know, go move. Pa- True objectivism would be moving past good and evil. Um, and I don't know. I actually think Ayn Rand does kind of, in some way, she kind of is dealing with that issue. Sure. Which is why leaving the poor behind. You, you and I would say, oh, that's evil. Yeah. Right? But she would be like, no, I'm on a different level. I'm beyond <laughs> good and evil. Y'all are arguing good and evil. Yeah. I'm moving past that because we're trying to make something great. Sure. You know, take a, take a seat. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Um, okay. So that was market is patient, I think, right? So yes, early, line, early tests promising. This is from Langford again. Yes, yes, yes. I know about the lockdown. It's absurd. Just give me a minute. The early Lazarus tests are very promising. If the Rosa Gallica bloom, then by God, I'll know we're in business. A man in the background says, hurry the lockdown. Langford says, hmm, oh, all right, I'm leaving. But somebody has to find a way to come back and check on these samples. They're very important. So just more progress being made on the, on the vector. Okay. Offer a better product from Andrew. Oh, this one got me. (laughs) This one got me. Gregory, don't come whining to me about market forces and don't expect me to punish citizens for showing a little initiative. If you don't like what Fontaine is doing, well, I suggest you find a way to offer a better product. How often do you hear this? Now, this was before, I'm guessing, before he ended up at war with Fontaine. I suppose so. So his first response to whatever Fontaine was doing was to to defend defend it and make a better product. Right. That wasn't the right answer, he decided (laughs) a little bit later. (laughs) I, I suppose so. What ends up happening is it ends up being a war. You know, it ends yeah. up being, well, his product versus this one. You end up building on the technology. You end yeah. up creating an opposite technology, which is really kind of the same thing again. Yeah. And then um, it, it ends up kind of spiraling out of control. It, but it's so funny where it's like th- this general advice, I would say this is decent advice 90% of the time. Mm-hmm. In in a capitalist system, it's like if you don't like the product, then make a better one, Right. That's that's fine. I would hear that on Twitter a lot. If you don't like Twitter, then ma- build your own Twitter. If you don't like the way things are run, build your own thing to be run, right? If you don't like the way cars are made, make them yourself. And that's there what are some Elon things Musk did, you right? can't do. You can't Sometimes. build. Sometimes. You can't. <laughs> ne- well, uh, I guess uh, that lacks imagination a little bit. Like, Well, you could. Theoretically, somebody could. But that, I don't know, uh, that, that, that would be, I'd say 90% of the time that that is right. It's just not 100% of the time. Not and 100%. And for Andrew Ryan to take something that destroys society and just to say that, well, if you don't like it, build something better. It's like, dude, we don't have time for this. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's going to die soon, you know? Yeah. Uh, it, it's, it's funny. But I'd say 90% of the time, it's like instead of going towards government regulation, it would be better to uh, allow people to try to compete in a market and build something better. 
generally good advice, not in this situation. And this is when you take good advice and you you just push it too far until the point where it's like, okay, but hold on, you know, it just sounds silly. Sure. Like seeing what Rapture has become and yeah. hearing that paragraph <laughs> of, well, if you don't like it, build your own. Like, dude, <laughs> you're, we are so far beyond this. Yeah. Like he just, he is clueless as to the future, as to what's well, coming. Yeah, and I, it just sounds funny. Particularly an anomaly like Adam. Uh, you know, how often does such a thing get introduced into the market? Oh, not you know? too often, I don't think. So like you could say, yeah, if you Every don't like, if you don't like Adam, build a, something that's better than Adam. But it's like, but Adam was this complete freak Decades. accident. That's true. Yeah, like that's true. anomaly that got yeah, introduced. Yeah. Those don't come around every day. Right. You can't just go find another mm. Adam out there. Yeah. <laughs> and if something's destroying society... Like, I don't know, like, what do you, you build a better product? Sure. I guess somebody should build a social media platform that's less addictive than Facebook. Okay. No one uses it. Yeah. You know, people get addicted and it's, it's to our lesser, the lesser nature of humans is to, to gravitate towards addictive behavior. And, and that's just how humans are. And it's like, you're, you can only counter that by giving people more addictive stuff. <laughs> like the only thing that takes down Facebook is Twitter or sure. TikTok, right? And then it's like, yeah. oh wait, the problem's worse now. Yeah, right. <laughs> so at some point it's like, you actually do need somebody to actually kind of do something about mm. it at some point uh, would be my personal idea. Sure. But other than that, that's decent advice. Okay, here's another one. Heroes and Criminals from Diane McClintock. This is the woman who had been disfigured by the oh, Dr. Right. Steinman, right? I like that we keep hearing about these people right. later. They keep bringing them up. I couldn't believe how much things had changed since I left Dr. Steinman's office. It's like I don't even recognize Rapture no more. I hear they've been rounding up people in Polo Square. I asked Ryan how he could do such things to innocence. He said, innocence? If they haven't chosen to defend Rapture, they've chosen to side with Atlas and his bandits. So there are no innocents. There are heroes and there are criminals. Um, I, I, I could say a lot here, but I actually think I shouldn't. Um, <clears throat> because this is actually pretty heavy in modern discourse, I think. Oh, sure. The idea that if you're not with me, you're against me. Yes. Or uh, silence is it's, violence. It's so right? prevalent right now. Oh, it's big. And it's I, so frustrating. I don't like it. Um, I sort of sometimes can kind of see where people are maybe coming from occasionally. But for the most part, it's just like, as, stop trying to get me to join your cause. Like, As please, please with stop. any you're, extreme like ideology, that. there is a point to be uh, made yes. that <laughs> can't be countered. It's a good point. Yeah. But yeah, I mean... Uh, 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 it's like, oh, you you have to. At some point, people feel compelled that they have to do this or that in order yeah. to fit in socially, and um, I I like just uh, I'm not I'm not I'm not all for that. Not on board either, because no. it's almost like blackmailing. You like threatening yeah. people to like, and and at this point here, he's just like they're just straight up killing people, but just because you, you're not on my side, you know. And right. it's like this is I mean this is how wars start. Uh, it's it kind of takes me back to the the lesser evil story from the witcher right like it, it kind of plays with the same idea we'll talk about the witcher someday but <laughs> i hope so um, i hope so i haven't we, actually played those we ones. actually did a book club on yeah. the first book and this chapter is in there but i wonder how many people have read a book of the witcher but not played the game maybe just you <laughs> maybe just me maybe some one polish, book maybe some polish people <laughs> well that's true the book was out a long time ago so. it's been out for a while but I've, since the 90s yeah so i've never played a witcher game um Okay, Julie Langford again. Uh, this is when you bring. So you go find the Rose Gallica and you bring it to her. Yeah. Uh, uh, you give it to her through the little 
trash can thing. The, 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 oh, they have they a name call for that. It. It's, it's, it's this, but uh, I can't pronounce it's it. It's a, a fem, femo? Oh, fem, I actually don't know. Fumo, fumo? Is that supposed to be an N? Numo. P-N? Yeah, it's N. Numo. Numo. Okay. This person had a lot of typos <laughs> when they typed this. <laughs> uh, she says, yes, this is perfect. Perfect. Come up to my office. I'm letting you in now. I think I've got just the thing to put green back in this forest. And just as you get up there, uh, and, and everything, it, it's once again, Andrew Ryan has to, uh, interfere, right? Yeah. He's uh, yeah. Um, isn't there anything in this damn place? These pagans won't steal paper towels, ink pots, wit, uh, witch hazel chlorophyll solution. That was it. Chlorophyll solution chlorophyll. and That's the distilled water were the two things you're supposed yeah, to collect yeah. for her. Even my back issues, uh, uh, my back issues of national geographic, they're feathering their disgusting little shrines with it, I suppose. Sick bastard. So she's trying to find something, and they keep stealing from her. <laughs> um, oh, no, never mind. That was a, what I was reading there was a, um, a diary entry. This is also a diary entry from her. Who says you can't teach an old hound new tricks? This batty plant woman spends four years coming up with ways to defoliate trees in the Pacific to scare out the Japs, and now here I am, down in the bottom of the Atlantic, trying to figure out how to do the same thing in reverse. Adam, 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 it's uh, bathtub gin, times uh, the atom bomb, times Eve with the serpent. Let's go see what it can do. <laughs> bathtub, bathtub gin, times the atom bomb, times Eve with the serpent. That's great. That's what Adam is. <laughs> do that math. <laughs> <laughs> figure that out. Okay. So... I actually, at this point, I actually, I want to get through a few of my notes real quick because okay. we've, we've, uh, I've lagged a little bit in some things. I'm, I like this though. I'm just kind of yeah. bringing up stuff as it comes to mind, but I've missed a ton of stuff. Okay. Um, good. really quick at the time where Atlas, um, his family, uh, dies in the bathosphere, um, this is a part where I wrote down that this also feels like a Disneyland ride because oh. you're just helplessly just sitting there looking down as like stuff happens and explosions happen. It kind of, once again, feels like a Disneyland ride. You're watching the drama unfold, but you feel a bit detached from it in that sense. Mm. It's not like you're in it uh, necessarily. Um, I also want to bring up that this game is absolute, it is pure chaos. Like there is always sounds going on. You're always yes. hearing stuff. You're constantly hearing whether it's a tape or somebody talking or a splicer near you or there's always sound. You're just inundated with a flood of just of just noises right? uh, all, everywhere all the time. Real quick, because you're playing the original PC version, I think, right? Yes, yeah. I'm playing the remastered version ah, and okay. apparently there are some really bad sound issues on the remastered version, um, because so I'll what, be walking through into? and I'll hear a splicer as if it's right next to me, oh, but it's like okay. rooms away. Sometimes that does still happen to me though. Like I'll hear something. I just don't know where it is. Mm. Oh, so maybe it was just a general maybe problem not all with the, the game. It might be worse. It happens time. freaking all the time really? in the remastered version. I've just started <laughs> to ignore like sound as like giving me context to where is that coming to from. where things are. It's like, it's probably not used, next to me. Yeah. Cause every, yeah, I, 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 there's a stereo thing for sure, but I don't, I can't always figure out where things yeah. are either. Okay. Uh, but there's just always noise happening and the, the colors, the use of colors and lighting and shadows like this game is, you're just in a bath of like sound. Uh, yeah. Sound, <laughs> sound and, and stimulation uh, of visual your landscape, visual and, and audible. Yeah. Um, it's really cool. So the lighting and shadows are used to just incredible effect in this game. 
It's really cool. Um, but okay, we're coming to this part here because I'm going to go back to Andrew Ryan talking about how the market is patient and we must be too. Because even though I made one note with you because of what you had said, yeah. that the, the God thing and something that I think Mick said. Mm. Oh, and Drake has also read the books but not played The Witcher. Oh, there you go. There you go. I'm not Drake alone. Chandler. He's Kay. on your team. So, uh, But my note when I actually played this part was um, – this is about how we can't just give up because the side effects are horrible, right? Because the end goal is so promising and so good that just because the current side effects are bad, we shouldn't give up. Yeah. This is a line of reasoning I actually hear from communists. <laughs> mm. uh, not so much um, the Ayn Rand types, although I know a lot more communists than Ayn Rand people. Um, but I think it's just probably idealists in general. Uh, but people who dream of of a utopia always have to come to a defense of how exactly to get there, because usually it doesn't happen without tremendous death. Um, and I think that could be the point that uh, Levine is making here. Um, but you know, I just I, that was my initial thought was as soon as I'm hearing it, where it's like, oh, you've got to, you know, how are you going to get to this utopia without cracking a few eggs? How do you make an omelet? Yeah, and right. I'm like, that's 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 usually what I hear of people defending like the Soviet Union or China or things or. Or Cambodia. I don't know who defends Cambodia, though. That was that was messed up. Um, but generally speaking, that's more that's what I hear along those lines. But I think it's just applying to idealists in general. Hmm. Like you just can't do it without that, putting half I your think, population I think in that's prison. Kind of that's my the only point. way to do it. Like uh, with the uh, the principle of polarity, the opposites. Yeah, yeah. It, it doesn't. It's not. They're not different. Like they're the same thing. They're seeking the same thing. They're seeking this utopia. They're seeking yeah. this perfect society. And they yeah. justify, it's, it's uh, consequentialism. They justify whatever means it takes to get there. Mm. Because getting there, the is ideal so is the yeah. most important thing. It is right. the God. It is yeah, the yeah. religion. The yeah. ideal. Yeah. It's and heaven. It's heaven. So They're it, trying to ascend to heaven. So just yeah. as religious fanatics uh, throughout history would kill in the name of God, because right. yeah. God these people need to accept He's our God ideal, yeah. or whatever. Yeah. That ideal justifies yeah. the killing. Yeah. It's the same thing. The, these two yeah. ideologies, although they seem opposites, are really after the same thing. Kind of, they really they are. are the same thing at a yeah, different sure. degree. They yeah. will justify the same atrocities right. for the ideal. That's really at the core of what it is. And it's just yeah. two different degrees of the same thing. So, it, yeah, it's not so much... A, 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 uh, a, a comment on communism or on objectivism or unregulated capitalism or whatever. It's, it's a comment on the nature of extremes, yes. people, extreme ideologies, yeah. and how extreme ideologies tend to sort of uh, pollute people's sense of morality or, or at least give them justification to do things mm. that are really, really terrible. Because the ideal is more important than the individuals you hurt to have to get there. That's the problem. And this, this goes back to a religious like principle that Merce Eliade talked about a lot, but that that worlds are new new worlds are founded on sacrifice. They always are. Yeah. And even the idea of, of something like a communist utopia, it would have to be founded upon an initial sacrifice, which is all the people that didn't want to do it, yeah. who you had to throw in prison so that you could have what you have. Yeah. That's the sacrifice. That's the, the sacrifice that would become the foundation of the next world, right? But anytime you want to change things, it's never without sacrifice. And yeah. it's usually people dying. And that's yeah. that's that's... How all it's almost cyclical the way that it happens. And yeah, it seems almost every great civilization, it's sort of born that way. But then like 
Yeah. It ends up, anyways, happening again. <laughs> yeah, always, always. It always happened because the world is founded again over and over. Like the world was founded again after the Civil War. Yeah. There was tr- millions of Americans died in the Civil War to yeah. found the new nation. America is a very different country at post-Civil War than pre. Yeah. It's a whole new world that we founded after that. And then same thing with World War II. It's like, okay, how many <laughs> Japanese and German people died so that we could found this new world, this new uh, liberal homogenous um, order that with America leading things, you know, and that's yeah. kind of how the world's been for a while. It's yeah. kind of falling apart now. There's going to yeah. become, uh, but then there will have to be a new sacrifice offered for the new uh, world that is to be built in the future. That, uh, that's just how things work. I don't know. That's kind of pessimistic. <laughs> <But> <laughs> all right, let's keep going. Okay. So the Lazarus Project, bringing people back to life, right? Now they, they bring this up about bringing pants, plants back to life. But I know the story of Lazarus. This yeah. thing is not just going to be used for bringing plants back to life. Sure. This thing is going to be used for bringing people back to life. But the question is, which people? Who is going to be brought back to life? And mm. we're getting all these ingredients to put into this Lazarus machine so that what's ha- we, don't, we don't know what's going to happen, right? Mm. No one's telling us what's going to happen, right? Yeah. Atlas isn't telling us. Julie Langford isn't telling us. Nobody's telling us. Uh, but we are resurrecting somebody is all that I can. I don't know who. I don't know how this works. But at some point, that's just how it's going to go. Right. Um, there's also posters. This is really cool. Once again, he read he read the book, man. He read it. So there's posters that say, who is Atlas? All around. Mm. Um, and it's really fun because the very first, I think it's the very first line of Atlas Shrugged that says, who is John Galt? Uh, but oh. it's but it's repeated throughout the book. People will commonly say, "Who is John Galt?" It's kind of like a way of, um, like somebody asks you a, a difficult question, or somebody you just don't know, or you're trying to say it's it's beyond, it's out of my hands, you know. Like yeah. who who is John Galt, anyways? You know, like that's a way of it becomes a saying that people just kind of have learned to say that uh, people repeat, but it's its meaning has kind of shifted over time. So who is Atlas is a poster in uh, Arcadia. And it's so perfect because it fits the who is John Galt, but it puts Atlas in John Galt's spot from Atlas Shrugged. So John Galt makes Galt's Gulch. And for a little bit, uh, Dagny Taggart is in Galt's Gulch, but she leaves, and things things kind of happen throughout the book of Atlas Shrugged. But in the very end, you really don't get to see the full utopia in Atlas Shrugged. You don't yeah. get to see it. You get to see the process of how it can kind of make things happen in its own way, but you don't get to see the final transcendent product, right? right. And that's, I think, where Ken Levine is like, well, I'll show you the final transcendent product. <laughs> it's freaking this, right? Yeah. Uh, which is great because then the utopia that John Galt dreams of becomes um, Rapture. And then Rapture needs a John Galt figure to rescue Rapture and to yeah. bring Rapture out of the chaos that it's currently in. And that is Atlas. So Atlas, as much as Atlas represents the seemingly, I think, opposite of John Galt in um Atlas Shrugged, because John Galt is an objectivist. Um, in this game, Atlas is playing the character of John Galt in the role of overturning the existing situation to bring it back to um, a, a peaceful solution, right. I think. <laughs> I, that's giving Atlas a charitable reading, but I don't know exactly where he's going. But he seems to be playing the role of John Galt, because the poster says, who is Atlas now? Right. And I thought that was a nice touch. Very, very nice for somebody who never read the book, by the way. Very, very... very uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. If, if you ever hear this, Ken Levine, I don't want to. I don't want to be too hard on you. I'm sure you knew lots about the book without having actually read all. I think it was like 1,200 pages. It's, it's not a short. It's book. It's very long. I don't. I don't blame people who don't read it. 
Um, is that it for your notes? Or? Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> no innocence, only heroes and criminals. We talked enough about that. Um, then I've got... Um, so Jack Ryan killed Arcadia. This is really good. He's willing to do the same. This isn't that big of a deal. So, of course... Um, this just shows how big of a threat we are to Andrew Ryan, that he's willing to do this. Because Andrew Ryan burnt down his forest to escape the government that was too, uh, too big of a threat for him to overcome at the time. Mm. So he just burnt down Arcadia because of us. Right. Like, it's like, wait a second. We are as big a threat to him as the government was. Us, one person, Jack, one person right. is threatening him to the extent that the whole government and its military and its all that stuff was threatening him previously to where he would do something like this. So he may act like, oh, you're nothing. I'll be taking care of you soon. But it's like, dude, he's going through tremendous lengths yeah. to um, to try to bring us into his the palm of his hand, and he can't quite do it. And it seems like we have a, we have a lot more power than we realize. Yeah. Uh, you would think so after we've killed probably 200 people. How many people do you think we've killed? <laughs> it's point? probably way more than 200. Five, 500? I don't know. Maybe 500 people. 500 people? <laughs> um, so anyways, yeah, we're definitely doing the work of the government. <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> okay, and then I've got the Saturnine stuff, but I already read all of that. There is a wall that we come to. Um, uh, we see a lot of the uh, altars of the Saturnine peoples, right? And they've got their little offerings up on the altar. And you turn around, and did you see a wall with just tons of, like, symbols on it? Yeah, I did. Just scribbled? I had no okay. idea what that was about. Yeah, it was great. So those symbols are alchemical symbols mixed with um, astro astrological symbols. Right? Oh, okay. So there was, like, uh, Pisces and, and Cap right. Ca Cancer the, and yeah, Capricorn. The um, astro, astro, astrology. Astrological uh, um Signs. The, 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 the Zodiac. Zodiac. The Zodiac. There we yes. go. I was looking um, for that word. <laughs> and then um, some of the alchemy stuff. I couldn't make hide, um, hide nor hair of it. Heads or tails. <laughs> Heads or tails. I, I couldn't figure it out. Um, but I, I will just bring up that the alchemical, of the alchemical symbols that were there, there was water and earth, but not air or fire. Mm -hmm. And so um, air and fire are the transcendent. They, they are upright triangles pointing up, uh, whereas water and earth are the ones that are pointing down. Mm. And so I would say that is something about that leads towards them a longing to return back down to earth and away from wherever um, wherever rapture has brought through technology has, has severed people from earth and, and from water, it seems, that they're bringing, that they have a desire to be brought back to that spot, right? Because yeah. they're worshiping nature and everything. Right. Um, this is the best part. This is so classic. I love this. Okay, so we're, I'm about to where you're at now. Okay. Here. But I do have to bring up that Atlas keeps saying that after this one thing, we're <laughs> finally ready to get Ryan. Yep. And he, he's at least three or four times up to this point. He's like dangling a carrot in front of us. Like I have felt like, oh, wow, this game's really short. We're going we're we're gonna gonna to fight Andrew Although, Ryan. There must be someone else behind Andrew Ryan or something. But instead, what keeps happening is we never see him. He never shows up. We no. never actually fight him. And oh, darn it, Atlas is like, oh, we got foiled again. That darn Andrew Ryan. Okay, get me this, 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 and this, and this, and do this thing. Then oh we're close this time oh you believe it buddy we are we are this close to just kicking his butt yeah. and then oh darn it he got away again and oh he's stronger than we thought oh he saw our plan ahead of time okay now get this this and this put it in the Lazarus machine <laughs> then we'll see Andrew Ryan and I'm like you're getting us to do something and I don't think we're ever going to see Andrew Ryan at this at this point this game could be 50 hours long <laughs> for all I know they're going to keep dangling that carrot 
they're going to keep leading us forward (laughs) step by step until it's like, dude, come on, man. At some point, we need to face this Andrew Ryan fellow. And he keeps convinced. But this is almost, this works to the addictive nature of like, crafting a video game that people can't stop playing yes is the feeling that you're almost there yes and they give oh, you that 100 like, within the first two hours you feel like you're about to beat the game i'm about to get to the next level here we go i'm about to discover that next landmark yes. i'm really and close to Andrew this objective yes. I, i'm about you're almost about to accomplish yes. something you can't stop because oh, if i just do this one last thing you can't stop playing yeah you just keep playing you keep playing and then it's like oh but mom mom i'm almost to andrew ryan <laughs> Can I play for 15 more minutes? And then, and then you can imagine, you can imagine. Okay. Now imagine your mom coming it's back an fetching hour. fetching perfect example. Imagine your mother. She comes back an hour later. You still haven't beat Andrew Ryan yet? I'm almost there, I promise. The game says it's right there. <laughs> It's so true because that's fetching a conversation I've had with my mom. I don't know how many times, dude. (laughs) Me too. And then it's like, but I really thought, I really, and then your mom thinks you're lying just to get more time. Yeah, exactly. Really, really, Atlas really told me that Andrew Ryan was in the next room. He told me that. He just lied. (laughs) Or Andrew got away. Oh, Oh, it's so good. That's hilarious. (laughs) Oh, so true too. So true. I don't know how many times I, I had fights with my mom about, well, but I'm almost done. I know. No, and enough. Stop. I can't. I can't. I can't I, save it here. I got to get to a safe point. Yeah, it's not you for know. another 10 rooms. They just didn't get it. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Um, anything else before Julie nope. gets killed here? Okay. Nope. Nope. I'm almost So there. we get up to her office. Uh, Jack hears the voice of Andrew Ryan from the speakers. Julie, we made a business deal, you and I, did we not? Money changed hands. Let me read you from the agreement, section three, subsection four. Yes, but who enforces the agreement, Andrew Ryan? Oh, a government or some force. (laughs) Okay, great. It's like a contract means nothing without some type of enforcement, Mm -hmm. right? Yep. Yep. And uh, He's a hypocrite, for sure. He is an absolute hypocrite. 100% hypocrite. That's my point. That's what I'm trying to say. She says, Mr. Ryan, and he says... Ryan Corp maintains exclusive rights to the creation, I use, and the exploitation of the Lazarus Vector. Ownership is civilization, Julie. Without it, we're back in the swamp. Right, right, right. Um, Private ownership, private property. So the room fills with poisonous gas. Uh, Langford is writhing in agony. Oh, and we kind of, once again, I think we're behind a wall, right? Or we're behind a window or something. We kind of... Yeah, you're seeing it through a window. Yeah, just like a Disney ride, you know? We're just like... like, um, a haunted mansion. We're just sitting there passing by and yep. we're just seeing this seeing thing. It happen, Nothing yeah. we can do. Uh, Mr. Ryan, wait, please no. And she's choking and dying. Yeah. And uh, she writes a number on the glass yeah, with like right. her dying breath. Kind right? of backwards. Yeah. Um, so then it opens and you go inside, you can actually read the number. Um, and, and Atlas, this is going to your point here. Every time we get a yard ahead, Ryan goes and moves the goal line down <laughs> the other side of the field. <laughs> Right. Of course he does. Yep, yep. So somehow, once again, no, no Andrew Ryan. After the ingredients are assembled, Jack creates the Lazarus Vector at a U-Vent machine. Oh, that's right. We take it to a U-Vent machine. We combine it with the other stuff. After placing the Vector in Arcadia's central misting control, the Vector is put through three stages of preparation for uh, dispersal throughout the irrigation system. So we finish. Yes. 
what she was going to do, which was putting it uh, through the irrigation system. Now, a misting system, right? Okay. Yeah. What were these uh, Saturnites, Saturnians, Saturnines? Saturn, Saturnines. Saturnines. Yeah. What were these people after again? The flame. And the mist. And the mist. Yep. Uh, and we're talking about some mist that is part of a Lazarus mm-hmm. project that will bring things back to life. Um, as far as religious things go, uh, resurrection is one of the things that a religion will be like, hey, this is a thing. And a religion will be founded upon something along the lines of something like the Lazarus Project. Yep. And the fact that the Lazarus Project uses some mists to do whatever it does um, makes me think that possibly this was the kind of thing that the Saturnians, Saturnines, uh, were after or were uh, aware of, I yeah, guess. Right? right. And so they would worship the life-giving substance that is the mist. And yeah. then the flame being the uh, recreation of, or I don't know, what would you say? Like the the spark, the the consciousness, the arousal of life, you know, is, mm. the, is the flame. Yeah. And so while that system is like preparing, you, you basically fight just waves and waves and waves of yes. splicers coming That's right. in and yeah, yeah. just trying to survive for a long time. A bunch um, of uh, producers, those splicers. Splicers, yeah, Very come productive. through. Fight, 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 fight. So this is Arcadia and Oxygen from Julie Lanford, or Langford. Now, I'm a woman of science, but I'm also a woman who's not afraid of turning a book or two. Ryan said if I could boost profits in Arcadia, part of the up would ride in on my hip. Part of the up would ride on my hip. Hmm. I don't know if that's a typo or if that's a saying the from upper, that upper I'm not aware class, of. The, the up would ride my hip. <laughs> so I get to thinking, we're paying for oxygen when we got photosynthesizing trees. Hell, we can even sell the extra to the rest of the city and undercut the other guys. Ryan would like, so she basically came up with the idea of selling oxygen. Uh, this one's Maternal Instinct from Bridget Tenenbaum again. Oh, this one's good. This is my next note. Yeah. Uh, what makes something like me? I look at genes all day long, and never do I see the blueprint of sin. I yes. could blame the Germans, but in truth, I did not find tormentors in the prison camp, but kindred spirits. These children I brutalized have awoken something inside that for most is beautiful and natural, but in me is an abomination, my maternal instinct. My maternal instinct. So this is really good. This is this speaks to the idea of beyond good and evil. Yeah. Because um, she's saying like, oh, I, I looked all throughout the DNA of all the things and I didn't see, I didn't see sin or original sin or, or I didn't see what you would consider something that would be a na- natural evil. Within, yeah. at least within the biology of people. Right. Right. And so I would say that this lends towards her. She has a disposition that people are naturally good. That is her idea. Right. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, well, what about all of the concentration camp prison cards? Yeah. And she's saying, well, they, I wouldn't call that evil. They were just doing their job and they were doing what they were doing. And I actually think they're kindred spirits. Right. So this is fascinating because. I, I love this just because especially after what I'd written about how I feel like Ken Levine is kind of critiquing this way of thinking a little bit. Um, she's, this is his next victim <laughs> is her, the way she thinks people are naturally good. And she even picks the worst example that we know of, which is something like Auschwitz and, and is, is able to dodge it and be like, yes, I still think that people are not naturally evil, right? right. There's nothing in the bio. I didn't find sin in the biology. Uh, but then she brings up what she considers an abomination in herself, which is her nature. Yeah. Her natural 
motherhood tendencies. So she's trying to be an objective scientist who doesn't have emotions and who is beyond good and evil and who doesn't have any of these primitive notions of, oh, wait a second, what am I feeling for these children? Mm -hmm. Why, when a child sits on my lap, am I pushing it away in disgust? But no, it's not the child she's disgusted with. It's It's herself herself because Mm -hmm. she made the child that way, right? So it's like all of a sudden... She thought she was beyond good and evil. She really did. Mm-hmm. And, and she just, her nature, nature has uh, just grabbed her by the throat <laughs> and pulled her back down to reality yeah. uh, where she can't pretend to be objective living in the abstract. Uh, you know, she's like, no, this is who you are. Again, you feel feelings and yeah. you have an idea of right or wrong built into you that you can't avoid. You yeah. can't get around it. Again, the ideal when it meets reality does not... Stand. Yes, once again, once again. That's what this game is all about. That I mean, is. It, that's and really the core of it. I'd say even if you're somebody who just loves, loves, loves Ayn Rand, um, this game, it, it offers you a little bit of an out <laughs> in sure. that sense where it's like he he may be using her to poke fun at and take jabs and uh, try to, you know, bring Ayn Rand down to reality a little bit, as I think is necessary sure. in, in some ways. Uh, but at the same time, it's not just her. It's not just Ayn Rand. It's 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 all the idealists, and you can even like I've done uh, several times throughout this. I've been like, you know, that kind of sounds kind of more like the communists, you know. Like you can actually turn it around to other forms of of like idealism in in a way, not the mental idealism, but like an I just idealistic thinking, just in general. Yeah. Um, and you can, you know, try to be a little kinder to Ken Levine, and don't be too <laughs> defensive of Ayn Rand because this does apply well outside of just Ayn Rand's oh, sure. specific sure. like thinking. This yeah. applies to all the utopians, all the idealists, and especially this particular one. Yeah, it's very, very good. While Ayn Rand might have been the vehicle with which it was explored, it certainly does not um, yes. only apply to. Her, to her ideals. That is that is my point. But yeah. he he did have to kind of pick one to base things off sure. of, and may, who knows? Maybe he really hates libertarians. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know. But I don't think so. Yeah. I, I think I, don't he, think, so I think he picked something that works for his story, uh, but that could easily have been something else. And this same kind of reasoning would would work for that it, as well. Again, the principle of polarity. Yes, you, you there could, you go. You, you could, because you, it it's, could, yes. there could be anything. It could be this or that. It doesn't yeah. matter what it was. And I think he said that in the interview that we read in the first episode. Yeah. It, it could have been anything. It yes. didn't have to be objectivism. Yes. Which I love. That's not the point. I like The that. point is not the refutation of objectivism. It's the refutation yeah. of extremist ideology uh, and, and idealistic. Ide- and, and idealism to a fault. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I guess would be one way of putting that. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Okay, The Great Chain. This is the last one, and then we're going to be done for this episode. This is from Andrew Ryan. I believe in no God, no invisible man in the sky, but there is something more powerful than each of us. The free market. A combination. <laughs> it, it, pretty much, yes. A combination of our efforts, a great chain, which is in, which is capitalized. Capitalized, great chain, yes. And now what was, we, we talked about the, the tattoos on Jack's arms right oh. chains oh you're right yes yeah well but this is great because he's referring to the great chain as a good thing but a chain is a shackle yes. a chain is what binds right. people to imprisons people oh right that's, that's cool i didn't so. actually think of that. <laughs> i like that a great chain of industry that unites us but it is only when we struggle in our own interest that the chain pulls society in the right direction ah that's kind of like the collective unconscious right 
when everyone's chained together, it's like a Ouija board. Have yep. you ever done that before? Mm-hmm. Like a bunch of people are holding it and it's like, oh, who's controlling it? Who's pushing <laughs> it? You, sometimes it is somebody, but usually it's like a collective. There's yeah, like something else going on there. Moving and it, bit, and yeah. it does something, you know, I don't know. But the idea of a collective unconscious that you get 100 people in a room together and somehow, you know, something comes as a result of it that was not any one person's idea. Yep. and. You know, that does, that does happen. And the free market actually does. I think it was it Adam Smith. I think it was Adam Smith who talked about the invisible hand, right? Of the free Mm. market. And the idea with the invisible hand is almost the idea that there is evidence for an unseen being that is controlling the market, but the objective materialist idea that that can't possibly be leads to his notion of the invisible hand, right? Right. So it's like, okay, the invisible hand means that there's evidence of a greater hyperorganism at work here, but we don't actually see the hyperorganism, uh, but we know that it just can't possibly exist. Therefore, here's like a hypothesis. Uh, And the, the invisible hand is basically the collective unconscious. And that's, I think, what the Great Chain is referring to. Mm. So it is only when we struggle in our own interest that the chain pulls society in the right direction. Hmm. The chain is too powerful and too mysterious, sounds so much like God, for any government to guide. Any man who tells you different either has his hand in your pocket or a pistol to your neck. Well, well, that's kind of funny, though, because he kind of becomes both. Yes. He becomes the man with the hand in your pocket and And a pistol pistol to to your your head. Neck, same thing. Yeah, (laughs) yes. Uh, He's... He's an enormous hypocrite. <laughs> <laughs> Huge. But what, in some ways, he's the Nietzschean Ubermensch yeah. because he's beyond good and evil. He's not worried about your trifle, trifle. Well, he, okay. He what thinks, he would consider. He thinks he's beyond trifling. it. Yeah. yeah. But he's, he's beyond your trifle morality and whatnot. He is creating, you know, he chose the fourth path. He's creating, you know, something real, something, something bigger, something humanity can strive for. Um, but, you know, the unfortunate truth is that he's really just playing the same game. Yeah. He Same game. He didn't change much. Other side of the coin. Polarity. Yep. Same thing, different degree. All right, that's going to be it for this mm. episode. The Cabalion uh, is sweet, by the way. Um, yeah, I have it. I'm, it's cool. I started reading. That's why you I, did. That's why I was. Uh, that's why I read about. It's the, really these cool. Principles and stuff, but once you read the Cabalion, you've got to read um, the um, the Hermetic texts that go way back. Yeah. Like the. Um, oh my gosh! I'm spacing on it now. Oh, why do I do this? This happens. I do all it all the time. The time. There's there's so much information in our brains. Taking notes on this, I, I feel like it just some of it and it just gets pushed out. <laughs> I just you can't retrieve it anymore. <laughs> the Corpus Hermeticum, that's a good or that, the emerald yeah. the emerald tablets or whatever. Um, you have yeah the Corpus Hermeticum, which is like really old stuff. Yeah. Um, and it's all it's all super cool. I love yeah. it all. Love it all. So we made it up to the farmers market. That's where we're going to start next time. We'll do farmers market and hopefully Fort Frolic, and then we'll finally be up to Hephaestus, Hephaestus. where we were supposed to get now, to the I do end have of a lot, this episode. <laughs> I do have a lot less notes leading towards Hephaestus, so I think we might actually be able to make it there. Okay. So that's what we'll plan on. We'll plan on playing up to Hephaestus and getting through Farmer's Market and Fort, Fro- uh, Fort Frolic next time. Fort Frolic was awesome. Yeah. I think that's level-wise been my favorite level <laughs> it so was, far. It was, I just, the first half of it, I was like, what is going on, dude? <laughs> like, this is freaking crazy. <laughs> uh, but as it got, as, as it resolved and as it really built towards its climax, it was just really dark. It's yeah. so dark, but it was really good. I loved it's it It's good too. stuff. All right, everybody. Thank you for watching. We appreciate you. And uh, we will see you again next week. Peace out. <laughs>